Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Catherine Van Zippel, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. It all started with a call from Jim Pattison, which led Harold to Cranbrook Schools. But before that, it was his strong corporate background that has guided Harold's career. This week, Harold talks with us about the multiple elite institutions he has served and what he has learned along the way. Prior to being the Director of Advancement at Cranbrook Schools, Harold previously served as the Director of Development at Salisbury School, a boys' college preparatory boarding school for 325 students in Salisbury, Connecticut. Before joining Salisbury, Harold served for 25 years in various roles in the Office of Institutional Advancement at Phillips Exeter Academy in Exeter, New Hampshire. As Executive Director of Alumni Relations and International Gifts, Harold led a program serving more than 21,000 alumni and 5,000 parents, strengthening ties to the school and one another. Harold has presented at regional and national conferences for CASE, NACE, TABS, and APC, and is a recipient of CASE's Steuben Crystal Apple Award for Teaching Excellence. He served on the board of directors for CASE International and CASE District 1. For five years, Harold served on the faculty for Case's Summer Institute on Alumni Relations, and for three years, he served as its chair. Before dedicating his career to the world of education, Harold was in the financial sector, where he held various positions, including vice president at Connecticut Bank and Trusts and Bank of New England, both in Hartford, Connecticut. This episode is number two of a four-episode miniseries in partnership with Case. The Council for Advancement and Support of Education is the global nonprofit association dedicated to educational advancement professionals who share the goal of championing education to transform lives and society. Now let's get started. Harold, welcome to the debrief. It's good to be here. So what led you to Cranbrook? It's an amazing community and a great place, but my guess is that a lot of our coastal listeners might not know about it. Well, that's an excellent question. And to be honest with you, I'd spent most of my time um, in this business uh, on the East Coast, but the first 25 years starting in 91 with um, Phillips Exeter Academy and prior, and then after that for three years at Salisbury School. And I got a call from search firm uh, and someone who we kind of know in this business, Jim Patterson, who is at Harvard Westlake and he's doing now search work. Yes, I know Jim. He's a good friend. and. Mm-hmm. He asked me if um, I had heard of Cranbrook before, and I thought, kind of. And I think everyone knows of Cranbrook, but very few actually know Cranbrook. Yeah. So he said, "He says, okay, why don't you just go and check out the website, and and if you're so inclined, give me a call back." And then I called my wife and and called her, told her to check out the website. I couldn't believe it. There is absolutely, and and again, in East Coast and in this work, I've seen so many outstanding schools. And we are blessed. And the school where you are right now, Chapin, is one of those outstanding schools, okay? We're kind of used to seeing schools, you know, almost standard prep schools. Cranbrook is different. Cranbrook, I don't know a school in the country that's a national historical landmark, for instance. The whole whole complex. And it was founded, it was founded, uh, our founders um, had a mindset that it would be um, educational and cultural center for the region. So we have an institute for science. We have a, you know, world-class museum, world-class art, art graduate school for art, 
collections and archives, gardens. And then, and then the thing that really got me, my attention was we have an Upward Bound program called Horizons Upward Bound. Cranbrook was one of the first schools to sign on with the Upward Bound um, program back in the 60s. Uh, President Johnson gave us a charter. And so there's always been an outreach to um, inner city Detroit. That's the history of this place. I arrived in December of 2019 and uh, this chapter of my life began. And then this chapter was interrupted along with everybody else's chapter in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm still getting, I'm, I'm still getting out, there, just now really getting out there the way an uh, uh, advancement director ought to, uh, because we couldn't travel. Um, and the school was my kitchen table for so long. Everything that you share with us today is informed by your previous experiences. And so you've told us a couple of the other places where you've worked. You also have corporate experience and previously were a leader in the alumni relations space. So how do these experiences inform your style and your leadership as a director of advancement? It all starts at the bank. I came out of college and I was fortunate enough to work for uh, an array of of managers who were sort of Renaissance men in terms of their approach and women in terms of their approach to the work, the corporate sort of environment, which is hierarchical. Their whole approach to it was that they were trying to work themselves out of a job. And by doing that, it meant that I got a a tremendous amount of experience. I don't think anybody works for anybody. I think if, if you're lucky, you get a group of people who work alongside of you and if you build a culture of collaboration, you can do some extraordinary things. And that really, that approach to this work has guided me. So in 1991, I get a call. I had been a volunteer for my for Exeter. And I get this call from uh, the my predecessor. And he says, Harold, he says, I'm leaving. I'm going to go. Interesting enough, he was going to go back to school. He had one at Klingenstein. And so he was going to go get his master's. And he says, my boss said to call you to see if you'd be interested to come in to become alumni director. I said, what's that? <laughs> I didn't know. Oh. I mean, I didn't have a clue. Turns out my boss, uh, the guy who hired me and brought me into this work, his whole MO was to, and this objective, I should say, was to hire someone who was coming from a, who would approach alumni relations from a business perspective. Hmm. No offense to any of our predecessors in this work, but back then the, the model was you got someone who was a uh, retiring coach or retiring sage of the school, and they knew everyone, they knew all the students, not a bad profile to have. And basically they were, you know, they would go around the country and sort of convene meetings, they would help with reunions, that kind of thing, but it was never really ROI attached to it. Now I came out of corporate America. Let me just step back and I need to share one thing and I've shared it at case conferences. I've written about it. It's Hammy's rule. It's named after H. Hamilton Bissell, class of 29 at Exeter, who was one of the first alumni directors at Exeter. Beloved. And on my third day on the job, which is my first day solo, because there was some overlap between myself and my predecessor, he had a little bicycle, little like he would ride around campus. By that time, he was well into his 70s, 80s. He was right, he'd ride his bicycle, parked it outside, and I could see it. And everybody just respected this man. He was like the Pope. Came into my office and he said, Harold, he says, can an old man rest his feet? And I appropriately genuflected. (laughs) 
sure, Henry, sure. He sat down and he says, you, you have that look on your eyes. He says, what is that look? He says, it's overwhelming, isn't it? And I said, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot. And I don't really know much about this work. He says, here's what you need to know. Your job is to love all the alumni all the time. He says, your colleagues, folks in your annual fund, and back then we didn't have major gifts, we had capital giving. He says, they're here to love some of the alumni some of the time. You have to love all the alumni all the time. And he says, and the day, and his whole expression changed. He says, the day you can't do that is the day you should leave. Then, then in a more humorous way, he turned to me, he says, and I'm here to help you any way I can, but understand I got two gears now, neutral and park. So <laughs> he says, but I know a lot of these rascals. If you ever have a problem, just give me a call. I might be able to help you out. But just remember to love all the alumni all the time. That is infused. I've digested that fully. And that's how I've approached this job. And I took that with, along with my boss's, I won't say mandate, expectation that I would think about, create a business model in alumni relations. Years later, I had the privilege of chairing the Institute on Alumni Relations. And I remember asking the group there, this is, and I, I actually had two tours of duty on the faculty. And I remember the first time the then chair asked the question, raise your hand if you think fun, if, if you see yourself as a, as a friend raiser. Everybody raised their hand. And he says, how many of you people see yourself as a fundraiser? Maybe one person in a group of 50 people raised their hand. By the end of the hour, and he said, at the end of this, I want you all to raise your hand on the second question, which resonated with me because I'm sitting there thinking, and I was on the faculty and I'm thinking, well, this is great. If we're moving in that direction, that's great. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't understand coming out of a for-profit sector, why would you ever have people, apart from people who are going to do tech or people who are going to do other specific aspects of our work, we're all supporting the fundraising operation. If we're not raising money, what's the point? Hammy told me about relationship building. That's to love everybody. And you match that up with building a team that understand, that is working together in a collaborative way to maximize the relationship so that the money would come. So you you kind of implied this, but you had said to me that alumni relations is the foundation of every program. Absolutely. I don't think everyone would agree with you on that, but well, they're I... wrong. They're wrong. I would I would say they're wrong, and I think they would actually agree <laughs> if they think about it. If you imagine alumni relations, that that unit in the oper in a, in, a, in a advancement or development operation is that unit that's focused on the relationship building. Now, some people would say, "Hey, I'm a major gifts officer." I'm Rob, I'm, I'm focused on, on, on relationship building also, all right? But in the school's context, and if you're thinking about alumni, you're talking about relation, building a, a culture where the relation, people understand themselves as being part of, connected to not only the school, but to each other, mm -hmm. okay? That's the foundation piece. Because you ask any major gift officer, if they come into a new place, which is better, walking into a, a place that's already been grooved, where people love the school, they love each other, they've already, they already have an inclination to give of time and money, or money, I should say, or both, or would they rather start scratch with a, with a, with a operation that, where the alumni you know, have mixed views about the school, severely mixed schools, views about the school, where there are a lot of the best practices that one would expect, that is sharing impact and when all those other pieces are in place, they'd say, I'm not sure I want to go to that place. <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. 
when I was at Exeter, for instance, we had a, a regional program which worked in concert with the major gift operation because major gift operation wanted to, th those alumni, because they're still alumni and they've got friends who aren't given major gifts, but they want to know that they're not alone, that actually they're part of a culture of philanthropy. And so that's when I say alumni, but see, when I think of alumni relations, I'm not talking about just a unit. I'm talking about the whole operation. Love all the alumni all the time. When your data person, uh, your, your, gift, your gift processor is on the phone with an alum, you want that person to be representing the school. I worked, again, it starts when I was at the bank. When I was at the bank, I had our vice chairman said that if you get a phone call from a customer, I don't care if you're the custodian, if you're a bank teller, whatever your job, you own that piece of the relationship. That's how committed they were to customer service. That's what I grew up in. Hmm. So when I think about alumni relations, I'm not talking about the alumni relations director or the director of engagement or whatever we want to call that, 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 that work. I'm not talking about that group. I'm talking about the whole operation. There's one caveat. The foundation is data. <laughs> okay. You don't have good data. Forget it. You can't build the relationships, right? It's, right. it's a lot harder. So I would say um, the most important piece component of an operation, the foundation is the data. But the human piece of that is constituent relations. And we all have to be doing that work. I'll challenge anybody in our business to debate me on that point because I know they all believe it. <laughs> I so appreciate hearing this. And I will admit that I have been remiss in having a lot of conversations with specifically alumni relations professionals, but you have me sold. Like I'm also in alumni relations, you know, we're all in alumni relations. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I, I remember, and it took me a while to really embrace that at the Exeter program, we had a Alumni relations operations that at the time was larger than a lot of schools hold advancement operations. So oh my gosh. we're having a conversation with our director of major gifts. And we had some, we, we alumni relations people can become somewhat possessive of our alums, right? And here are these other folks in here, you know, they want to know about them. And, you know, until we actually built systems in place so that we can easily collaborate, it was touch and go. And I remember my a colleague who was the director of major gifts, we would battle a lot of times over this notion. And I give, again, I give it right back to my boss who respected two professionals enough to have us work it out because we each had the same objective. But once we got egos out the way, once we realized that, oh, wait a minute, this isn't about you scoring points or me scoring points or it, or you're trying to steal from me. That's not the dynamic. The dynamic is how can we make Exeter as strong as we can together in our respective lanes? How can we collaborate? So we did a campaign. And at the time, it was the largest campaign in the history of schools. It was $305 million campaign uh, in the early 2000s. And we raised 352. We had, I think, 20 events worldwide, campaign events. And we didn't ask for money in any of those events. Hmm. But they and, must have used the events as a tool to set oh, up the asks and, right? I mean, absolutely, it was seamless. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, it was seamless. I remember the first event, we had it at Chipiani's and uh, we had 800 people there. 
Okay. Oh my gosh, that's huge. There was this long room and a short room on the side. And I, I, I've been trying to remember, I don't know if the short room was the vault. I don't know at what point, but it was another room. So we set it up as this huge reception bar, you know, heavy hors d'oeuvres, chippiani hors d'oeuvres. The younger alums migrated into the smaller room and we had this film that was the real centerpiece of the campaign. The theme was, I mean, the, the, the chorus at the end was Exeter is. It was people talking about what it meant to them. And so we were, we spent all this time creating, producing this film. It was a tearjerker and we could hear this din in the other room. People in the big room were silent and, and older. And then there were these youngsters from early 2000s to about, I would say, 90s, 80s. And they were just chatting away. Not loud enough so you couldn't hear it, but you could hear that there was some, they weren't paying attention. We debriefed afterwards and we were saying, can't believe it. You know, I mean, we've got to come up with a way to get people, keep people quiet and focus on the film. And I'll never forget the producer of the film. He listened to us. He says, let me see if I get this straight. You had 800 people at a room there to celebrate your school. They had a good time. That's what you were hearing. And you're complaining because they weren't experiencing it the way you wanted them to experience it. I'm sitting there thinking, you guys can't lose. It's not the film. It's the connection. I'll never forget that. It's the connection. And, and then, and that was repeated in every city, whether we were in Bangkok, Thailand, or whether we were in New York or Chicago or LA, San Francisco, no matter where we went, it was the exact same reaction. I look at that and I say, that's alumni relations on steroids. <laughs> and we just needed to get out of the way. And I think in our business, what too much, we, we focus on the staff experience. And I think that gets in the way. I think that- The staff you know, experience in what sense? We're focused on the structure that we created. Oh, I see, yeah. And how it's, how it's designed to create a result. Mm -hmm. So the other day I was, someone was asking me and I love, I mean, I'm sure you get it all the time, especially since we changed our um, profession, our operations to advancement instead of development. I, people didn't understand what development was. What are you guys, construction? What do you do? But anyway, <laughs> um, I remember, so people come up to me and, and advancement is kind of, it's not very clear. It's not about me getting something from you. It's about me, if, when I'm on my best game, if I'm doing my best job, and I think, and I say, my, me, I'm thinking all of us in this work, what we're doing is giving people an opportunity to feel good about helping our school, that they're making a difference. That's what's important. And that's, to me, that's, that's the secret sauce. When you think about the whole notion of people putting their names on buildings, I think we need to think about what that means. That person is aligning themselves fully with that project. You're basically making a statement and a connection to that thing. They are really attaching themselves in a very intimate way to your school. Yes. And that should be honored. That That's lives lovely. beyond them. Exactly, exactly. So in the conversation, we should be talking about what that means to them. You ask me my thoughts and my values, how, how they align. It's about valuing that, that donor as much as I can so that 
It's not about me. It's about them and their school. I'll tell you one other thing on this point. At Salisbury, we had this uh, wonderful to get volunteers to sign up, seniors to sign up for class agents in their first five years. And it's an all boys school, I should say, all boys school with sports being, it's not the major part of the school, but it's a, it, it's a galvanizing component of the school. Uh, volunteers, uh, 10 volunteers or so, we try to get eight to 10. And uh, they had this dinner at the headmaster's house with steak and lobster. And, and I can remember telling these kids, our headmaster and I and all the folks here who work here, we're different from you. We work here, we love it, but it's your school. This is your school in a way it could never be for us. We never took a class here. The friends you have and growing up, we don't have that experience. It's your school. And so we did a, we had a mock, that's, that was sort of the formal part of it. We did a mock draft where the kids got to, on a board, draft their own, you know, their classmates who are gonna go, they're gonna call in the next five years. To, to, oh, that's to, so cute. <laughs> so you're building that culture while they're still students. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think about- That's very cute. Yeah, I, I think about, and you could, we're a small school. And it, it, to me, it's the connection of understanding the culture and understanding uh, the, the, the student experience mm -hmm. and matching that to something that they can resonate, that will resonate with them where they are in their lives. Sometimes loving all of our alumni all the time does take bravery. As you know, it's not simple. So when you are called to do something brave, but your fear is real and it's stuck in your throat, what do you do? Be straight with people. As hard as it is. I learned at the bank again. I don't know, but I'll find out is an acceptable answer. Yes. No matter what That's it is. It's always okay. That's always okay, but then get back to them, <laughs> okay? And so many people don't. Got to get back to them. So that gets back to that vice chair at the bank who said, you own the relationship at that mm -hmm. point. That's our yeah. customer and you have that customer and that relationship in your hands. Don't drop the ball. Do you tell okay? your staff that now? Not in, not in so many ways. I mean, I think, I think since then, I see that, that the best practice now is to be authentic. Yeah. Sometimes you're scared. That's fine. We all get scared. I mean, there's a sometimes, especially if it's someone who is a big donor who might have a personality that is can be abrasive. Mm -hmm. uh, because just like a family, you know, we love Uncle Joe, but Uncle George snorts and, and 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 yells and cusses all the time. You know, if you start out by respecting who they are, getting back to what we told what I told those students, this is your school. I'm talking to a parent. If I'm talking to a parent, this is the investment that you've made in us, okay? And yeah. you have trusted us with your most valuable, you know, something that's most valuable to you. I can't just be flippant, even though you're being flippant. I, I remember one day, this is years ago, back when I was at Exeter, one alum from an older class back in the days of pre-co-education. So this guy, actually, I remember this guy was in the class of the 40s. And he called me and it was one of the first years I was there and I was maybe the first year. And I remember, hi, Harold Brown, you know, alumni relations, how, how can I help you? He says, oh, are you the director? And I said, yes. 
Harold Brown, you know, and how can I help you? Who are you? And he says, I'm so-and-so. And um, I'm looking at the mag school magazine. And I says, oh, I says, the recent issue? He says, yes. He says, and I got a problem with it. I said, well, what's the problem? Maybe I can help you with it. He says, well, I hope so. He says, um, there's a lot of girls on here in this thing. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, you remember we went co-ed in 1970. And so you would see girls. Well, I wasn't for that. I said, I understand that a lot of people. I said, but you know something? You know, and I shared some things from the founder. Youth from every quarter. And youth isn't, isn't just, you know, gender specific. It's all the youth. And so we are better school. That's not all though. But what else is there? He says, there's all these different people here. And I'm looking at, and then he used some really offensive ways to describe some of our Asian um, uh, members of the, of the family, of the students. So I went to war against them and they're here in our my magazine. And I said, well, sir, you from every quarter means everybody. We are a diverse. And, 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 and actually back in 1991, 92, diversity was a word that was starting to emerge. And I said, uh, we're, we're diverse, a proud diverse um, school, and it's part of our pedagogy. You know, we want to hear all the voices around the table. It makes us better. And by the way, that collection you see on that page, that's the student council. Okay. So they're the leaders in the school. Oh, and then there's a couple of colors in there too. And I said, and at this point, you can imagine what's going through my head. And I'm trying to love everybody all I the can't time. Imagine. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do this. Oh my gosh. And I, and I and I said, sir, and I got right back to my banking experience. I said, sir, I need to inform you that your alumni director is African American. And he says, Well, I guess there are a few good ones. Yes. He actually said that. And I said, now I'm at the uh, board. And I said, sir, I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to have to call you back. He says, are you hanging up on me? I said, no, you're going to hang up on me. Who is your, you know, who is your boss? I said, well, it's the head, you know, head of the school, gave him her name, gave him the number. I said, but I'd be, I says, but I'm, I will call you back. I have a staff, which is true. I had a staff meeting coming up and I said, but I think that we're at a point in the conversation where I don't want to say something that I'm going to be, you know, regret. And I want to be respectful of you. So would you allow me please to call you back? Well, I'm going to pull my money out of there. He says, that's it. He says, I'm going to, you know, he says, you've just lost a lot of money, young man. I said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but I will call you back. I hung up and I literally, Kathy, my hands were shaking. I was oh my thinking, just then I'm thinking, I don't know this guy. And we didn't have RE back then, you know. <laughs> right, right. Our system, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know I didn't know enough to go into the system uh, such as we what we had to find out what his giving was. I was just thinking, he said that we lost, he was gonna, you know, take away his take take us out of his will. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what did I do? And so I I go to this to the staff room, conference room. And outside there's a kitchen and I, I just thought I was just standing there connecting myself. And one of my colleagues came to me and she said, Harold, she says, where you been? I says, well, she says, you, you, are you okay? I said, no. And I explained it to her. She says, is it so-and-so? And I said, yeah. She says, 
oh, he's pulled us out of his, all of it. He's, we've had that conversation with all of it. <laughs> she says, we don't know if he's in our will. He says, but he's threatened. We've all had that conversation. Come on inside. And I, and I, that was a valuable lesson for me because I could have actually, I, it was nothing I could have done to change his mind. No. But there's a lot I could have done to corrupt my own posture in the work. Sounds like you handle it beautifully, really. Well, I, you know, I was the relationship. He's an alum. Did you call him back? No, I didn't. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. Once I learned that everybody had had that novices in right. I'm thinking, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I was still now. Yeah, today, we're done here. <laughs> we're done. But today I would. I was younger. Today I would. Today hmm. I would call him back and say, I just need to let you know. Yeah. I told you I'd call well, you back. These stories have been so much fun, Harold. Are we past it? Oh my goodness. I just I used up all our time. I'm sorry. I would love to end with my signature question. What okay. do you know for sure? Wow. A lot of things come to mind. You can say more than one. I know for sure that this business is a human business. It's a relationship business. And I know for sure that if I stay in that space, I will help my school. I will help my team. If I can inspire a team to do that, it makes us all the more, increases our, our, our opportunity to be successful. I know for sure that I'm going to make mistakes. <laughs> the most important invention man ever made was a, an eraser. <laughs> but I also uh, know that unless I learn from them, that you know my growth will be hampered. And I know for sure that in this business, the day, back to Hammy's doctrine, the day I can't love the people that I'm trying to serve, the day that I need to leave. Thank you so much, Harold. It's sure. great to have Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this great episode with Harold. As you said so many times, love everyone all the time is the best way to build community and really thrive in an independent school environment. I also like that he told us to get out of our own way. I think that is often so true when we're thinking from an advancement lens and not truly in a donor-centric mindset um, and thinking about the perspective of our constituents. Please follow me on social media. My Instagram account is at devdebrief, and I have a robust LinkedIn following. My page is the development debrief. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Have a great week.